Wow. I've just walked into the hotel lobby and it is stunning. There are golden domes, chandeliers everywhere, these beautiful columns, someone's playing the piano. And I can smell the incense, which is so distinctly Imarati. You know, it's just the epitome of luxury. Welcome to Abu Dhabi Unwrapped, a sonic travel guide. An audio adventure whisking you off for the trip of a lifetime. I'm Dina Butti, a presenter and content creator based here in the UAE, and I'm also your guide for this series, paid for and presented by the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to access the full series. Over five action-packed days, we're exploring the huge range of attractions and experiences on offer here. And today, I'm pulling out all the stops with an exclusive insight into Abu Dhabi's luxurious side. Driving any supercar for that matter, it's just adrenaline fueled fun. Hammam is almost like a cleansing ritual and our signature experience really combines the best of the best. Honestly, with the amount of five-star luxury here, Abu Dhabi has become a very big hotspot for celebrities. The thing is, in Abu Dhabi, there's something for absolutely everyone. I mean, it just oozes luxury. And what better way to start my day of luxury than at one of Abu Dhabi's most famous hotels? I've come to Emirates Palace, a place renowned for its elegant architecture, elaborate decor, and exclusive private beach setting. Now, if I can just find my way to the cafe. Hi, my name is Natalia. How may I help you today? I'm actually meeting somebody at the dome. Can you point me to where that is? Please, this way. I hear that the dome has a bit of a social media reputation and from what I see on Instagram, everyone has a picture here. Yes, true, because the whole dome is covered in gold, so it's about 86,000 feet of 22 carat gold leaf. Wow, that is incredible. Uh, so, I'm meeting my guests in a minute. What do you suggest that I order for both of us? Well, definitely go for the 24 carat gold cappuccino. I'm going to drink gold today. <laughs> That's a first for me. Hey, there she is now. Mizra, hey, it's so nice to finally meet you. Oh, it's amazing to meet you, Dina. Oh, Mizra El Hosseini was born in California, but settled here in the UAE 10 years ago. So I'm from Los Angeles, and my husband's from the UAE here in Abu Dhabi. I run a blog called Sweet Life in the Sandpit, where I talk about all the luxurious things that you can find here in Abu Dhabi, as well as um, the rest of the UAE. So you've been here in the UAE for over a decade. What were your first impressions when you arrived? Did you automatically think, oh, this is a luxury destination? 100%. I mean, it just oozes luxury. And I felt that from the moment I first uh, arrived here, and I, I still feel exactly the same way now. The thing is, in Abu Dhabi, there's something for absolutely everyone. So if you're a car fanatic, you can visit for Formula One. If you're into luxury shopping, there's so many amazing, luxurious malls here. If you're into fine dining, there's wonderful restaurants. So regardless of what you're looking for, you can find it in Abu Dhabi. At that moment, our palace cappuccinos arrive. Beautifully made frothy coffees in delicate china cups topped with 23 karat gold flakes. Oh, beautiful. Oh, that's that's actual real gold. I know. I've, I've never consumed these. gold before. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. You're most welcome. 
Now, once you get here, there's obviously, as you mentioned, a zillion things to do, and it can be a bit overwhelming. So, as someone in the know, give me your dream weekend hit list. So, for me, the ultimate weekend would be definitely a lot of relaxing. So, I do love going to the spa, and um, here in the UAE, we have so many amazing spas at hotels. And then, of course, the beaches are incredible, definitely world-class, they're crystal clear waters. And if you want to take it up a notch, you can always pay for pool access days or the beach access days at different hotels. That is definitely on our to-do list. Okay, obviously shopping is huge here and there are loads of malls in the Emirate. When you have people visiting, what do you suggest as the ultimate souvenir? Well, I think the best souvenir is definitely pictures and memories. So that's something that I would encourage you to do. There's so many um, amazing landmarks here in the UAE that you can uh, take pictures of and in front of and stuff. But also, if we're talking about material things, and if you want to splurge, you can always get gold. So of course, here uh, we have the gold souks and everything. So that's an amazing keepsake and you can pass that down generations. Also, I think that Bahor would be a great uh, souvenir. So it's kind of an Arabic incense. And from all different types of price ranges. So you can go for the very high-end stuff or you can go for, you know, something a little bit more affordable. I've never thought about getting Bukhur as a gift. I always get camel milk chocolate. Oh, do you? <laughs> That's my go-to. <laughs> it, it works. Too, People love it. <laughs> Whether you're shopping for souvenirs, lunching with the ladies, or snapping selfies at the sites, the one thing you really need to see Abu Dhabi in style is a decent set of wheels. My name is Hanan Sobati. I am the founder of Arabian Gazelles, which is the first all-women supercar owners club based in the UAE. It's very difficult to put it in words. <laughs> Driving any supercar for that matter, it's just adrenaline-fueled fun, this euphoric rush. For me, driving is not just to get from point A to B. It's really my therapy. There is a car culture in the UAE, and it goes back to when there were no really good roads. They always were buying the toughest four-wheel cars to drive in the desert. People have always had this love of, of speed and cars. And now that we have one of the best roads in the world, people are automatically now getting into supercars for the love of driving. Now, if you ask me, why did I start to build the Arabian Gazelles? We didn't have a seat at the table. It's a man's hobby. It has always been. So, you know, I got uh, frustrated with that landscape and I wanted to do something about it, and we did. We launched five years ago, and it started as a car club, but now really it's a platform for like-minded women. We are planning tours with Arabian Gazelles, and the idea is really to create a fantastic, memorable experience uh, driving in Abu Dhabi, spending the day with Arabian Gazelles, discovering the city through our eyes. We really feel like we are ambassadors for this region. We are, you know, we want, we want to show them what we are about and discover where we live. So we are really looking forward to start these tours.
After chatting to Mizra earlier, I've been inspired to do some shopping. So I've come to Medina Zayed Mall, one of the oldest malls in Abu Dhabi, renowned for its gold souk. The main atrium sparkles with shop fronts. They're decked out with everything from heavy gold belts and necklaces of shimmering coins to intricate headpieces set with gems. In each emirate, the gold souk is the heart and soul of where everybody goes to get the best prices. Now, in a place like this, can you bargain? Oh, yeah, 100%. So you're That's, expected to bargain. Yes, 100%. <laughs> requesting discounts and, and pushing hard is definitely part of the experience. That's part of the fun for me, and I'm really good at it, let yeah. me tell you. <laughs> Today, I'm window shopping with a lady who really knows her stuff. My shopping buddy is Azza El Kubaisi, a jewelry designer and champion of Emirati design. So looking around, it's obvious business here is booming. Why is that? Why does jewelry still hold such appeal for shoppers here? A lot of people, still a lot of friends of mine that come to the country, this is the first place they want to go to. Perceiving gold jewelry to be affordable here, they feel they're getting the worth of their money. So people would still buy gold as an investment. And, you know, a lot of people would come for gifts, for weddings, for engagements. So one thing I was going to ask you about, because my husband is Marathi, when I oh. came to get married, I got a beautiful set of jewelry from his family, an extended family. Is that tradition? Is that something that oh, would always definitely, happen? Definitely. Giving gifts during wedding from all the family is, is something that is still continuing, and everybody tries to bring the biggest and the most expensive. But also there is a trend now of getting something customized. And jewelry... It's one of those mediums that last forever. Even if we go back to centuries and different civilizations, gold jewelry is the stuff they find with pottery. So it gives you a lot of insight into society and how they live and their style and their liking and the materials they use. Jewelry is really important. Should we go take a look around? Yeah, definitely. So the UAE bling bling. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> You've got the Murtasha, the big piece, a headpiece. That's something I used to enjoy wearing uh, during weddings when I was young. Now, over the years, many of your collections have been inspired by the UAE, from the deserts to its pearl diving heritage. So let's talk history. How did this tradition of jewelry evolve? Well, it's a vital part of the culture and the evolution of our traditions. Traditionally, we had jewelry manufacturers, but it was mainly making the khanjar, the piece of adornment worn by man that is like a knife, I suppose, but a tiny one with a curve, a slight like a curve. Like a dagger, yeah. And they used to also use precious materials on them. So whoever did a khanjar would also be doing some jewelry pieces, you know, they had to subsidize a bit. And over time, the manufacturing of the khanjar has been lost, but the jewelry stayed on. Gold became more available because of the Indian trade. So people would wear smaller pieces, nose uh, jewelry. That was definitely much more fashionable than the big pieces of jewelry that we see now. In the days when merchants crossed the Arabian Peninsula, transporting exotic cargoes of spices and incense, the influx of gold goods led UAE jewelers to take their design inspiration from other countries. But nowadays, Haza believes a creative boom, driven in no small part by her, is shifting the focus to original design. 
today, things has changed, you know. There are so many different young emerging designers and we've got a small group of us that have come together to create Emirates Jewelers Society to support one another, to get access of knowledge and towards having a unique design that we can eventually call Emirati. That's wonderful. Beautifully said, Azza, and such great insight. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're someone like me who finds busy malls and bargaining both exhilarating and slightly overwhelming, I know just the thing to wind down. An afternoon of relaxation at one of Abu Dhabi's fabulous spas. My name is Theresa Winkler. I'm the director of Spa and Leisure here at the Emirates Palace. So the spa was built as a traditional Middle Eastern inspired spa. We have two hammam. Hammam is also known as a, a Turkish bath or Moroccan bath and it's something almost like a cleansing ritual. But essentially, if we go back over 2000 years, the idea to wash yourself and be exposed to heat at the same time is something that originates in ancient Greece. And it didn't take a long time till this ritual was transferred over to the Middle East, of course, due to the proximity, but also Middle Eastern cultures and Islamic cultures do very much pay attention to purity, to cleanliness, particularly as a ritual before prayer. Hence, the Middle East adopted this into their spa culture. A typical hammam would always have a marble platform that is heated in a dry, hot room where the guest will enjoy the application of cleansing black soap. Then enter the separate steam room and the body starts to sweat. The black soap then gets scrubbed off with a tool called kesa, a rough cloth, followed by the application of a purifying mask. And the feeling you get after mom treatment is of being extremely pampered from top to toe and your skin is nourished and super soft. I would highlight our palace rose in Oud Hammam. Oud is actually a wood. It's a very warm scent, very much used by perfumers around the world. And we use warm damask rose. So it's a very, very indulgent and luxurious ritual. been a hard day of shopping, but after a little spa relaxation, I'm just about ready to plan out my evening. So I've come to the rooftop bar at the St. Regis Abu Dhabi, the stunning Azira Panoramic Lounge, to soak up the view and also get some nightlife advice. With me is Matthew Baxter Priest, the regional editor for Esquire magazine and someone who knows all about the local luxury scene. Matt, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. First of all, you've ordered us some pretty snazzy looking drinks over here. What are these? They're berry coolers. So it's a specialty that they have here at Bazaar. And it's nice and cold and refreshing because we're sitting outside and it can get a little bit hot around. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> 
So what do you think? Did I pick a good place for sundowners? It's lovely here. Uh, you have incredible views. Basically, we're overlooking the, the Arabian Gulf. You can see the entire Corniche of Abu Dhabi from up here. It's pretty special. So I've had a, a five-star day and I'm hoping to carry on my theme this evening. So first, let's talk dinner. What does the best of the food and drink scene here in Abu Dhabi look like? Oh, well, actually, the food and drink scene is probably at its highest point it's ever been. Uh, it's a really, really exciting year and time for, for food in the Emirates. Um, we've had a couple of massive international uh, critique brands launch. Um, Go et Mio, which is a French brand that gives people hats. Uh, the Michelin Guide uh, offering a star rating system and some of my favorites are included in their, their highest ranking ones too. That includes Punjab Grill, which is at the Ritz-Carlton, Fouquet, which is at the, the Louvre actually, which is uh, Pierre Gagné's uh, restaurant there, it's over from the Champs-Élysées. And then you've got Hakkasan at Emirates Palace, which is a bit of a stalwart of the, of the Abu Dhabi dining scene. It stands up to every other version that there is, whether that's London, whether that's Hong Kong, or whether that's in Dubai. Uh, I still prefer the one here in Abu Dhabi. Well done, Abu Dhabi. Now, I don't know about you, Matt. I tend to sleep at 9.30 these days, but I feel like you might be a little bit cooler than I am. What would you recommend for a party night out? I'm more of a kind of beach club guy, so I will tend to go to those kind of luxury high-end beach clubs. Places like Cove Beach, Sadia Beach Club are becoming a really kind of popular destinations. Really great for mocktails, cocktails, and when the music comes on, a bit of dancing too. But if I'm going for like a, a night out-out, I'm probably thinking of somewhere like Mad on Yas Island. It's a kind of big, bouncing nightclub brilliant for people watching, even better for dancing, and you get the occasional big acts coming through. I know that Iggy Azalea's played there. I know that Tiny Temper has played there. So you're gonna get that mixture of big global acts, big atmosphere, and big music. Now, just lastly, I know you've got the lowdown on celebrities. Can you tell us any of these celebrity hotspots? It's funny, actually. So, so over the last few years, um, Abu Dhabi's become a very kind of big hotspot for celebrities. So there's a lot of musical talents that come over here and play at the Etihad Arena, play for the, the gigs of the Formula One, uh, and also when they're doing filming here. So over the past few years, we've had people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson staying here, Ryan Reynolds has come over, Pierce Brosnan stayed here. It's honestly, with the amount of five-star luxury here and a lot of the versatility of entertainment going on, you're never really too far away from kind of catching a bit of a star glimpse. Well, if we're hitting the town, then I'd better get ready. Thanks for the advice, Matt. Cheers. And uh, here's to treating yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. Next time on Abu Dhabi Unwrapped, we're getting the adrenaline pumping. Doing bashing. We call natural roller coaster. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Literally everything else disappeared. You cannot see any buildings, you cannot hear any cars. It's just you paddling around, listening to nature. Fully fledged GT4 race cars. As a, as a customer that can walk in off the street, it's an amazing experience. It's an awesome car. That's the camel. Oh, the yeah, you can't uh, tell the camel to play. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to catch this next episode, along with the rest of the series. Abu Dhabi Unwrapped, a sonic travel guide, was paid for and presented by the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi and produced for them by BBC StoryWorks Commercial Productions.